on this edition of the program, we bring you two hot takes on dropouts that are going to happen before the Iowa caucus is done. And we have Evan Scrimshaw to not only break down Biden's coalitional problems, but also some predictions for Iowa and New Hampshire. Nikki Haley stands. Stick around. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, and Craig. Everybody to the politics, politics, politics program, the first of 2024. We're here. We're here. We made it. We made it to 2024. I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited. We are. We are live. We're going to be in Iowa. This is a busy, busy month. Iowa, New Hampshire. I'm going to be in all those rooms. Oh, God. I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited. I've been pent up, man. I wasn't able to get to sleep last night. I just want to let you guys know exactly how much of a nerd I am with this. I was tossing and turning because I was excited to do this show. I'm excited to cover this race because this race is now exciting. And we're going to lead off with this little news peg. Vivek Ramaswamy is out of the CNN Iowa debate. That's going to happen on January 10th. It will be the last televised debate before the Iowa caucus. To qualify, you needed over 10% in three separate, either national or Iowa polls. Vivek's been around 6% in both of the early states and a little bit less than that nationally. So, since only Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis have qualified, that means both Vivek and Chris Christie, who very barely made it onto the debate stage for the last debate, the final GOP-sanctioned debate, they're going to be out. So this is going to be a 1v1, we're assuming Trump's no-showing, a 1v1 between DeSantis and Haley right before the caucus. But that means Vivek is out. And he is not going quietly into that dark night. We read his voluminous statement on X. Forgets CNN's fake Iowa debate on January 10th, which will be the most boring in modern history. We're doing a live audience show that night in Des Moines with Tim Poole. Won't hold back. Here's the backstory with CNN's shenanigans. On December 13th, CNN disgracefully cut short its own Iowa town hall with me after I correctly pointed out uncomfortable truths about January 6th, which CNN instantly dismissed as quote-unquote conspiracy theories. On December 14th, CNN then threatened my campaign on the phone with a cease and desist and had YouTube black out the town hall after it got 200,000 views on YouTube in a matter of hours. Yet Nikki Haley's CNN town hall was still up after six months with 68,000 total views, comma, sad. The man speaking a language that I think we all know. 
Later on December 14th, CNN notified my campaign that multiple qualifying polls, which the RNC used for each of the RNC debates, mysteriously wouldn't count for CNN's fake quote unquote debate in Iowa on January 10th. CNN senior media reporter, that's in quotes as well. Oliver, Oliver Darcy wrote a newsletter castigating his own network for quote, allowing me to infect the public with his conspiracy. CNN commentator Van Jones said he was literally shaking when he heard me speak. And my rhetoric is quote, one step away from Nazi propaganda. CNN anchor Anderson Cooper said that I delivered a soliloquy of conspiracy theories. CNN anchor Pamela Brown and chief investigative correspondent said Vivek had, quote, a history of peddling disinformation. CNN anchor Caitlin Collins said I used a reasonable tone to sell sinister lies to people who aren't playing close, uh, paying close attention and might think what I'm saying is legitimate. And CNN's token conservative commentator, Alyssa Farah Griffin, said my rhetoric is, quote, unquote, damaging to the country. I believe Vivek Ramaswamy is, as we speak today, maybe a week, there's a week left in his campaign. And I have been good about predicting dropouts. I dominated our friend Evan Scrimshaw in our failed candidate draft. I predicted Pence dropping out. I predicted Tim Scott dropping out when they did. These are not guarantees. There's a lot of pride that goes in to running for president. There's a lot of personal drive that you have to have to want to do it. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of people that you looked in the eye and said, come with me because together we're going to go to the White House. And you got to let them all down. It's not easy to predict dropouts, but you might think it is by how easily I've done it this cycle. And I'm telling you, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to drop out before Iowa. He may or may not do it on stage with Tim Pool. Why? Why will Vivek drop out? Well, he's going to be on the MAGA mothership. This is going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And for Vivek, you got to start asking yourself, when is it best to flip that switch? Vivek will be an afterthought if he waits after Iowa. Because he's not going to really be in the conversation. He's not going to be able to blame anybody. Like, look, you hear, he, he just spent nine different bullet points blaming CNN because he can say it's CNN's fault. It's the gatekeeper's fault. As soon as you start blaming the voters, it's a different bag of rice. It's a new colloquialism I just invented. <laughs> it's, it's just a new, it's a new ball game. You got to get out beforehand. I believe that Vivek is extraordinary at finding the right slipstream moments to tie himself to Donald Trump. He has done this multiple times in his campaign. When Donald Trump was indicted in Florida, he was in front of the courthouse. When Donald Trump got his name pulled off the ballot in Colorado, he was the first one out there with a video saying he wasn't going to put his name on the ballot there. 
Vivek will be a Donald Trump surrogate from at some point about a week from now until November. If he does it before Iowa, then it demonstrates electoral utility and loyalty to Donald Trump. Because to be totally honest with you, Trump doesn't need the help in Iowa, but he might need the help in New Hampshire. And that's where every percentage point is going to matter because we do have a surging Nikki Haley there. So there we go. Vivek's campaign will end in around a week. That's only one hot take. Let me give you my second. Chris Christie's only got about a week's left of his campaign. Not because he's going to get blown out in Iowa. He knew he was going to get blown out in Iowa. But Christie's campaign was totally built on the idea that it was New Hampshire or bust. And so, if it's New Hampshire or bust, and he's still at 10%, why would he leave? Because we're in a bit of a different situation in 2024 than we were in 2023. The polling for New Hampshire, sorry, the polling for New Hampshire has been changed materially. Nikki Haley is doing something that we have not seen in early state polling in this primary since very early in this campaign when Ron DeSantis was polling in the 30s and Donald Trump was polling in the 40s. The last St. Anselm poll, I always get that wrong, has Nikki Haley at 30 and Trump at 44. And that was taken in the middle of last month. I suspect we're probably going to see further momentum toward Nikki, especially as Ron DeSantis' campaign begins to melt like a candle. And you're going to see a lot of pressure building for Chris Christie's almost exclusively never Trump coalition to go into Nikki Haley's column. Because even if we look at that last poll where Nikki Haley's at 30, Trump's at 44, you add Christie's 10, and then you assume you're getting a little drift of the, the, the DeSantis shrapnel baby you got a still going and it's starting to smell like john mccain in 2000 and like we covered on this show before the holiday the difference between nikki haley and john mccain in 2000 is that nikki haley has roots in south carolina nikki haley was a popular governor in south carolina she is not going to get run over by the same kind of campaign that beat John McCain 24 years ago. With all that on the line, with Chris Christie being the man who says the only thing that matters is beating Trump. The only thing that you should be worried about is Donald Trump being president again, of poisoning this party. It's going to be hard for him to justify playing the spoiler. I believe that especially if Nikki Haley comes in second in Iowa, a stronger than expected showing, that 
Chris Christie will drop out of this race. Not one, but two campaign undertaker called shots. Put it in the books. Let's get ready to go. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Guys, now's the time. If you've ever wanted to, to support this program on Patreon, now's the time to go and do it. All of my travel is booked. I am going to the first four states. Past that, we'll see catches catch can. But I'm traveling all this year for you. For you. And you're going to get the fruits of the labor. Because, yeah, a lot of these caucuses and primaries, they're on Tuesday. So you're going to get the recaps on Wednesdays. But if you want to hear the candidates from my own microphone, if you want to hear the atmosphere, if you want to hear the boots on the ground reporting, the vast majority of that comes through on the Patreon. And you can get it for only three bucks a week. Price of a cup of coffee. So head on over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com This has always been a time where you guys have been there for me. Nobody is dumb enough to self-finance a media correspondent out on the road. This is what normally happens. Either you're getting paid by somebody to be out on that trail... Or you're famous enough that you don't feel that you need to be, and so you just sit in your pajamas and write your political opinions. I'm a sicko. I have a sickness. And that sickness drives me to be in those sad gymnasiums. That sickness drives me to be in those pizza ranches, in the Red Arrow Diner, in New Hampshire. Because I love it. <laughs> I do. I do. Please support it. This is the time where you want me on that wall. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 level gets you two bonus podcasts each and every week. Let's get into the news story that uh, we were not able to cover here. Hamas has presented Israel with a new hostage deal. That being through the surrogates in the Qatari and Egyptian mediators, marking a significant development amongst the ongoing hostilities. The proposal suggests a willingness from Hamas to negotiate a hostage deal during the conflict, a shift from their previous stance of requiring war cessation before discussions. The plan involves a three-phase process, each phase featuring a cessation of hostilities lasting over a month, paired with the release of hostages and prisoners. Despite the proposal indicating progress in negotiations, Israel rejected it immediately. Israel officials deemed the proposal unacceptable and requested a revised version through the mediators. This response underlines the complexities and challenges in reaching an agreement. Concurrently, Egypt proposed a similar three-phase deal aimed at a comprehensive resolution, including the release of all hostages, the the withdrawal of Israel uh, from Gaza, and the formation of a non-Hamas technocratic government supported internationally. Hamas has engaged in discussions in Cairo, signaling ongoing diplomatic efforts to resolve the crisis. Meanwhile, Israel on Tuesday bombed a building in Beirut, Lebanon, and killed a top Hamas official, according to a Lebanese news channel. The alleged assassination killed Salah al-Awari, 
who is the deputy chief of the political bureau for Hamas in Beirut. I don't believe the IDF is going to leave Gaza without the leadership of Hamas in Gaza either dead or imprisoned. What was proposed, my my elementary super on the sidelines guess is that that that's like the what what, what the Israelis look at as the worst case deal that they would take. But again, I don't know enough about that. So we will see. Former President Trump has agreed to appear in a Fox News town hall on January 10th, coinciding with CNN's broadcast of the Republican primary in Des Moines. This scheduling creates a direct clash with the debate, a battle for ratings. The town hall is set for the same 9 to 10 p.m. time slot and will be hosted by Fox News anchors Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. It aims to address the key voter issues ahead of the Iowa caucus. Trump's decision to attend the event is notable given his recent criticisms of the network for perceived unfair coverage and alleged support of his political rivals. This appearance marks they shift from that stance, having skipped the first two GOP primary debates hosted by Fox and Fox Business. Citing a large polling lead and strained relationship with the network, he obviously no-showed all of the GOP-sanctioned debates. So, there's going to be a bit of a choice. Are viewers going to tune in to Haley versus DeSantis? What does that say if Haley versus DeSantis outdraws Trump? This is a head-to-head battle. It's going to be interesting. And then, of course, all the Vivek heads who will be watching the Tim Pool live stream. A lot of content out of Des Moines on the 10th. And finally, here is a new ad from Nikki Haley's Super PAC taking on Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is lying because he's losing. DeSantis called China Florida's most important trading partner. DeSantis even allowed a Chinese military contractor to expand just miles from a U.S. naval base. Phony Ron DeSantis. Too lame to lead, too weak to win. The reality? Haley shows us what American foreign policy looks like with a spot. You have been talking really tough about China. I know that you were really tough on China. SFA funding is responsible for the content of these advertising. As we are going to get into with Evan Scrimshaw in this next segment, Nikki Haley needs to pass DeSantis in Iowa. The the path for her nomination is 2-1-2-1, meaning second in Iowa, First in New Hampshire, second in Nevada. And then I think, I mean, if she wants the nomination, she's got to beat Trump in South Carolina. These are hard things to do. These are very, very, very difficult things to do. But if you do that, now this is a Super Tuesday fight. Now this is... Knives out, bare knuckle, absolute Donnybrook that will actually challenge Trump for the nomination. Right now, it doesn't look like that. 
But the one-two shot of the John McCain 2000 New Hampshire upset followed up with a win in South Carolina, where she's from. Ooh, ooh, baby. But again, it's got to go in that order. Two, one, two, one, in my opinion. And that means she has to pass up DeSantis. She might have already. We have not had a, a, a poll in, in Iowa in, in a minute, as we're going to talk about with Scrimshaw. But we'll have to keep an eye on it. And you can keep an eye on double the amount of podcasts, including podcasts exclusively live from all of these battleground states, if you sign up at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go. It is the new year. We are officially on the clock in Iowa. And so we need to take a look at what we believe and what we don't in the polls with our friend Evan Scrimshaw. Welcome back to the program, Scrim. Thanks for having me, man. Always like doing this. So uh, I will spare the indignity of the current standings of our failed candidate fantasy draft because uh, uh, I sent you this over Twitter uh, Asa Hutchinson got a humiliating bio written on him in Politico over the uh, holiday season about his just disgustingly embarrassing failed campaign that should have probably ended three months ago. At least it would have made our, our league competitive. Instead, he continues to soldier on like some kind of haunted ring wraith in the battlefield of this election. How does that make you feel? Sad, just sad. <laughs> he's he's a he's the Japanese soldier who doesn't realize the war is over. He takes it's pick. over. Yeah, like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you still in this race? All of the yeah. people you hired are like, yeah, we can't do this anymore. Like, buddy, you need to drop out. And he's like, nope, I'm still doing it. It's good. It like it's hurting their careers that they're still walking around with them, right? Like, like this is just bad professionally by every uh, every element. Uh, before we get into the battleground polls, though, I just want to read something that came out today as we are recording this Tuesday. This was a USA Today Suffolk poll. President Joe Biden heads into the election year showing alarming weaknesses among stalwarts to the Democratic base, with Donald Trump leading among Hispanic voters and young people. Also, one in five black voters now say that they will support a third party candidate in November. Biden's failure to consolidate support in key parts of his coalition that elected him in 2020 has left him narrowly trailing Trump, the likely Republican nominee, 39-37 in that poll. I'm going to combine that with a bio in Politico today or a feature in Politico today with Charlemagne the God talking about his disillusionment with the Biden administration and Kamala Harris and my own personal reporting on segments of the drink champs podcast as long as we are talking about black media where nori and dj efn sound like they could be on the daily wire at times with how much they positively talk about trump everybody that i respect in polling or politics on all sides of the aisle look at numbers like this that are positive for trump with that with those demographics but let's stay with the black community specifically and they say they don't trust it because it hasn't been trustworthy in any other time that we have seen Republicans that have uh, outsized support with, with the black community. Is there anything that you have seen with this that makes you believe 
any of this is different going forward, or is it still a wait and see? It's still a wait and see because being disillusioned with a Democrat and actually pulling the lever for a a Republican or for a third party candidate when it you know when that would obviously help elect a Republican is a very different thing. And I think that a lot of people who are dismissing the polling are doing it for the wrong reason. Like, no, I don't did I don't doubt that the disillusionment's real. I don't doubt that the Biden campaign has issues to fix. I also think there's 11 months to the election or 10 months to the election, realistically. And there's time to fix it. This is what happens. Democrats have to engage the community and they will engage the community because they're SOL if they don't. And everybody knows it. And there is a lot of reason to be skeptical, which is that every single time we have been posited a theory of Republican success that relies on, you know, substantial improvement with black voters it falls on their face and i get that and i do believe that on some level i also think the democrats who are sort of hand waving away the issue on that basis are somewhat lying to themselves that this can just be fixed i mean it can be fixed but it won't just be fixed by the passage of time it will be fixed by sending joe biden out to talk about the black community's issues and to sort of meet them where their disappointment is. And also some decent, you know, ad spending reminding the black community that Trump was not the, you know, panacea of the black community that he is now trying to pretend that he is. Yeah, I, I wonder if if some of it is a little absence makes the heart grow fonder for a lot of different demographics. I, I remain very, very skeptical about those numbers with young people, with 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 Hispanics and with I mean, and he's Trump has done better with Hispanics than he has with 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 black voters. But he put a lot of effort. You know, it was four years ago around this time that his Super Bowl ad, his first Super Bowl ad, the first big spend of the 2020 campaign was him trumpeting the first step back. And and that was specifically designed by that campaign to try to turn up black turnout. And guess what? He got usually the he got the, the, the statistical average of a Republican's black turnout in that election and he lost it. Uh now let me just ask you specifically, let's let's understand like you said that any democratic candidate is going to reengage these communities. They're going to make it a priority. Is Biden uniquely weak on any of this because of either the economy or his age? Things that he's probably not going to change between now and the election. So in theory, yes. Like in theory, Biden's age is going to be an issue. And that would be and that would explain some of his weakness with young voters. And it would explain why he does relatively better with older voters because 65 year olds view people being like Joe Biden's too old, very differently than 22 year olds. The problem with that is that every time we've gotten polling of specific democratic alternatives, right? Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris, Gretchen Whitmer, whatever else, they don't do any better than Joe Biden. So if the argument is that Biden is somehow uniquely weak and specifically uniquely weak with young voters, and younger uh, black and Hispanic voters, none of that 
sort of is borne out when you when you pull either quote unquote generic Democrat or these named alternatives. I also think at the end of the day, like Donald Trump just hasn't been in the news very much recently. Right. Like he is he it is sort of nostalgia, not really for Trump as much, but for 2018 when things just felt slightly easier. Right. We were not on the backdrop of four straight, very chaotic years. Things just were, you know, reasonably easier. The economy was not recovering from, uh, you know, a, a fairly massive shock. And being turned off and turned back on again. Right. Exactly. Like a cable router. And then the and then the ensuing damage. Um, yeah. And like there's just there's just like a Trump hasn't been in the news for a while. You know, the I mean, he is indicted really... four times. He's he's going to have four OJ trials this year before we get to the election. This this is going and and it it does. I mean, the 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 element of this that does, if I were on the Democratic side, would make me concerned is that it's not only the fact that he heat melted the entire Republican primary since he got indicted four times. He's done better with independence, at least according to these polls right now. Now, that's coincided with the fact that inflation has remained persistent and. Uh, uh, that is an issue that I don't think the Democrats can frame away no matter how much they want to, but he's done better since those things happened. And there's going to be a lot more of those things going forward between here and now. Yeah. But the other thing is that like something, something less than 50% of people genuinely believe it's going to be a Trump Biden rematch. Like, yeah, people do not really grasp that this is the race that we're going to get. And at some point, you have to explain to me why people who, you know, voted for Joe Biden over Donald Trump in 2020, who voted for yeah. Raphael Warnock over Herschel Walker in 2022, or Mark Kelly over Blake Masters, or John Fetterman over uh, Dr. Oz, are going to suddenly be like, actually, I could survive 7% inflation on Election Day 2022. Because I don't want the guy who's supported by Donald Trump and who supports taking a woman's right to choose away from me. But I'm actually then going to vote for Donald Trump when I've had, you know, likely nine sustained months of relatively low inflation by Election Day 20. Well, cooling, cooling, cooling inflation. Yeah, the inflation's whatever, whatever word we want to use. It, it, is, it is still, yeah, it is still, it is still inflated. And that's that's the one thing that I, I, I think you know, it's funny. I mentioned that Charlemagne the God uh, piece in Politico, which I found interesting. But his his thing was, you know, it's it's not that he's frustrated because the Biden administration has been ineffective. He thinks that they have been reasonably effective. His problem is that they have not talked about things in the way that they should, which is largely what the White House is frustrated with him about. That he's talking about it in a way that they don't want him to. Uh, I I I don't know where the but the economy is good. Actually, messaging is going to get you, especially in some of these communities like black and Hispanic and young people who have disproportionate uh, lower income levels. And that's the people that inflation has hurt the most. Those are the people that are hurting the most right now. It's not the me's. It's 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 the the, the folks for whom a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar grocery bill cuts into a lot more of that weekly monthly budget. Yeah, and they're gonna have to, and they're gonna have to. I mean, one like if if there's another inflationary spike or you know more economic 
you know, pressure in the latter half of the year, they might be in trouble, but, you know, hopefully they can get some sustained, like, lower gas prices. Like, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it would be very good for the Biden campaign. I mean, and it is really good. You know, there, there was there was a piece that came out over the holidays that it was like, like, you know, the, 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 best, the best kept secret in Washington, D.C. is that the Biden administration has become the biggest gas producers in America in, in our history, and they can't talk about it. Because then it alienates the environmental side of their coalition. I mean, I so think they can't they, they can't jump up say, and down I, and I say think that. At some point, they just need to tell the 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 the, the environmental left, we've done everything for you. We're going to trumpet the thing that's popular with our with our weak constituencies. Yeah, and basically, they need they, they right. need to tell the part of the uh, the the young left that's going to be mad at them for that. They're going to basically say like, get on board or get out. They're going to have to. Well, they're, it and they're going to have to on Israel Palestine. And they're going to have to on, yes. on oil. They're going to have to, and they don't want to yet, but they have to. I I tend to think that this is going to be a shut up and eat it election for the progressive left. There's not there's not going to be a lot for them now. Whether or not they stay home is a different story, but I don't think that this. If you look at the ways in which like you mentioned, the Biden White House does need to shore up these coalitions. It's not by moving to the left. <laughs> it's not by trumpeting priorities on the left, unless that's abortion. That's it. Abortion in the morning, abortion in the evening, abortion at supper time. That's that's the number one thing that that unites that party and has been electoral rocket fuel for them since. You know, 2020, when he when he got in or since since the Dobbs decision, really, I guess. Yeah, but like there's no there's no and, and even that 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 that's an issue that helps them with like, you know, old Mitt Romney voters like abortion is not even a, a quote unquote like left priority. I mean, Sanders, yeah. I mean, Sanders, you know, was famously hit in the 2020 primary for, you know, prioritizing, you know, left economics and sort of mocking Planned Parenthood and that sort of institutional sort of democratic support like they the the, the Biden campaign needs to win. And as much as it's, you know, I'm I like I agree with many left progressive ideas. Like if I were a, a, a Democrat, an American Democrat, I would have voted for Sanders two times in the last two presidential primaries. The left needs to needs to suck this one up. Trump is yeah. Like I'm sorry, man. Like it, it's not Trump. We it, there's no there's no progressive case for Trump at this point. We know what he is. Even putting aside the election denial stuff, he passed like the bush tax he put he he passed a bush era tax cut on steroids there's no progressive case for yeah him. well let's take a look at what is more pressing these are the real clear politics average for iowa which by the way do you see that they redesigned their polling section yeah completely yeah what has happened i mean i'm terrible. happy about it because terrible it was terrible but I at least I knew it. <laughs> it. It looked it looked like Drudge Report era garbage, but at least I knew where to get everything. Now I got to learn how to get stuff, and it's copying the five thirty eight design. Stop it! Real clear politics. Your site looks like trash. That's what I like about it. I'm very upset by this redesign. Let's go through the averages in Iowa of the candidates that are in contention. Chris Christie. 3.7, Ramaswamy, 5.9, Haley, 16.1, 
DeSantis, 18.6. And of course, Donald Trump, 51.3%. I I don't see a lot of serious people saying anything other than Donald Trump is going to win. The real interesting fight is for second place. I said on this show that the only person who seems to have a path and it is a, you know, a, a tenuous one is Nikki Haley and it involves her coming in second in Iowa, Ron DeSantis dropping out, Vivek dropping or, uh, and, and Chris Christie dropping out and then her winning in New Hampshire, when you look at these numbers, what stands out to you? That the last time we had a the last field date of any of the available polls was December nineteenth, and Nikki Haley has had a has been the biggest spender on Iowa TV in the intervening two weeks. Mm-hmm. My essential, my actual hot take is that Nikki Haley is gonna uh, gonna come second, and it's not even gonna be particularly close. Um. She has all the momentum. She's been on TV way more than DeSantis. DeSantis doesn't really seem to know what they're doing. Their most recent ad that they threw up was the Casey DeSantis um, breast cancer survivor ad, which worked in the gubernatorial race last year in Florida, but also is not the kind of ad that you run three weeks before a caucus. That's a introduce you to my guy ad. That's not a close the deal ad. If you're having to do that, then you're trying to soft relaunch your candidate. We know his super PAC is bleeding money and has not been on the air. Which one is much? <laughs> well, yeah, never back down. Yeah, much. I mean, because yeah, it much. was it was such a tire fire they had to start another one because they disagreed with what they should be doing. That this has been a absolute for somebody that part of his electoral case was, I will be more uh, detail oriented in a way that Trump wasn't Trump's campaign has looked like a well-oiled machine and his has made more headlines for staffing changes than they have for good polls. Right. Exactly. And the other thing is that the DeSantis campaign has yet to, we know that they have been pulling Iowa basically nonstop for the last six months. Yeah. And Unless they show me something in the next few days to dissuade me from this, I am doing. I am writing an Iowa preview this week for the lines, and I'm gonna tip Nikki Haley to come second in Iowa, extremely confidently. Unless the DeSantis campaign shows me something, yeah, in the next two or three days, and I don't think they can. It it is close now, and I would tend to agree with you. I I believe that Nikki Haley is it, of that DeSantis coalition, despite the fact that, you know, when you look at DeSantis second choice voters, a lot of their second choices are Trump. So DeSantis fading is a positive case for Trump to continue to build his lead there. But for whatever Trump skeptical, if not never Trump voters that DeSantis has, I think Nikki Haley is going to be that choice in Iowa, and we're going to start talking about it more seriously as this is the one-on-one. It's for Nikki Haley. She's got to vanquish Ron in Iowa. Then she's either got to come damn close, if not John McCain, upset Trump in New Hampshire, and then it's going to be all about the hometown fight in in South Carolina. That's, That's the only way that she stays viable 
Uh, one more Iowa thought before we move on to New Hampshire and the likelihood of an upset there. I think we get, if I were to set the line at 1.5 campaign dropouts by the night of the caucus. So you also get the, 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 the speeches after the results have come in 1.5 from now until then, do you take the over or the under? Do we count Hutchinson? Cause he's not really running a campaign anymore, but like, in <laughs> I mean, I, I, I my, my, my instinct is to say no, because he's not an actual factor, but also I have no beat on whether or not he's ever going to drop out. <laughs> he might, he might, he might show up the, to, to, to the convention and keep trying to wrangle delegates, but sure. Let's, let's add Hutchinson in there. So I'm going to, I would go over, uh, Oh my God. Uh, Add, no, I'm gonna go over because I don't think RDS goes to New Hampshire. So I think I think Vivek either before Iowa or at Iowa, and then I think, yeah, I think RDS. I, I, I have already in this podcast made my prediction. Vivek says he is doing a January 10th live podcast with Tim Pool instead of going to the debate. Uh, I am I am predicting that he brings out Trump at the end and he makes his endorsement right there. That, yeah, that's that that's sense. now it's it's time it's time for him to return to the mothership. Uh, he he wants to remain relevant. This is the biggest favor he can do to the, the, the campaign that he is no doubt going to be a mega surrogate for uh, and secure, you know, the the, uh, the the favor and loyalty of the person that treasures favor and loyalty over everything else so that that is that is my prediction there my other prediction is that i think christie drops out either from iowa or in new hampshire on the night of the iowa caucus he's also not going to make any of these debates if his whole campaign has been running that he's been running is stop trump stop trump stop trump Let's stop putting our ego and personal uh, goals ahead of stopping this most dangerous candidate. He cannot continue through New Hampshire when there is now a plausible statistical case, which right now we would say Christie is polling at 10.5. DeSantis at 9.5. Haley is at 24.8. Trump is at 46.3. But it has been closer in the most recent St. Anselm poll, which has Haley at 30 and Trump at 44. If you add Christie's 12 total in that, we're, we're at a, a with, within the margin of error, I think the Christie vote would go to Nikki Haley. I don't think Christie can go forward with the campaign that he is running and put himself in the position to play a spoiler. And I, I think... The clock is ticking on that. So that requires you to have a higher opinion of Chris Christie than I do. Oh, okay. Give it to me. I, like, you're at 12% in the polls. Your entire strategy has been based on New Hampshire. Don't you have to go to New Hampshire? Like, okay, cool. You get 3% in Iowa. 
but like you have known that you're going to get three percent in Iowa because your entire strategy has been yeah. built around the idea that you're going to get three percent in Iowa and then get to New Hampshire. I think he should, and if Chris Christie believes any of the things that he's talking about, then yes, of course he, of course he drops after Iowa, goes, does it like leaks it to take your pick of Beltway Media the night before, does a joint appearance with Nikki Haley, gives the yeah. you know gives the self ABC because he's going to want his job back. Speech. I just don't have any faith that Chris Christie actually believes any of the things that he says, but it makes sense. It's a it's a it's a logical choice. I just, yeah. Well, you, you gotta. I mean, my argument for it is is again, I, I very rarely. Uh, uh, <laughs> I I don't ever appeal to politicians' better nature or their authenticity and what they are talking about. What I do take into account are who does Chris Christie surround himself with? Who is Chris Christie relying on? And if let's say what, what, what happens is what we think will happen, which is the, the DeSantis balloon pops and it's now looking very much like, okay, Nikki Haley does better than you'd think comes within 20% of Trump in Iowa, but DeSantis is a distant third. Then right now, New Hampshire is going to be ground zero. That's going to be the war zone. The question is whether or not DeSantis formally drops out or if he's got enough money in the tank to continue on to New Hampshire, but he becomes increasingly irrelevant. And it's at that point, it's the media executives that are going to hire Chris Christie it's the 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 Steve Cohens of the world for whom initially bankrolled him. And I think the only reason why Chris Christie is running for president is because the Mets season was a total disaster and Steve Cohen needed something to root for. Those are the people that I think start looking at him and saying, hey, we all know you're better in the media. You can be the hero here, but you need to lay your sword down. Yeah, that's that's fair, and because that's always the thing is that you you always have to remember um, that these politicians, yeah, you need to make the case for why politicians going to do something, not on their merits, but on their self interest, and that is a self interest yeah. reason why Christie would do that. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. Sununu was on the Sunday shows you know, talking about this and, and Sununu tends to go long winded with stuff, but he seemed pretty confident he, and he's done campaign events with Christie, but he, he seemed pretty confident that, uh, you know, Christie sees the writing on the wall. I don't know if he would talk like that unless he at least thought it was a real, there was a realistic chance of happening, but obviously he has endorsed Nikki Haley. So that's what any Nikki Haley surrogate, should say. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm over indexing on that. But I I think both. I, I think I think Vivek before Iowa and I think Christie right afterward, especially if because right now the latest New Hampshire poll is also on the 19th. So that was also pre-holiday season. If if we see, you know, another beefy Nikki Haley poll right now, I mean the 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 next thing that she would want uh, she would want to have happen would be to you know climb within ten points of Trump. If we see that happen in the next week, I mean, 
that's that's going to be it. That's going to be the story. The story is can Nikki Haley, John McCain, Donald Trump? I think she I think she does. Am I crazy? Does not could does. I am working on I, I, I am working on on finding a mechanism by which to put my dollars behind this. But I am predicting Nikki Haley is going to is going to win New Hampshire. I think the surge is going to work. I think she's going to get second in Iowa. I think there's yeah. going to be a ton of free media. And I just she's not Donald Trump, which means she is going to get way more favorable coverage than a politician who was unable to answer a very basic question about what caused the Civil War um, should get. Because let's be honest here. CNN, MSNBC, The Times, and The Post would all love, and the Boston Globe, and all the Boston media, which are all into New Hampshire, they all really don't want Donald Trump to be the next nominee. And so they will give her a pass for these comments and not cover them on the other side of today, basically. Yeah. Well, it also happened during the holiday season, you know. My my biggest fear about Nikki Haley is that she's had a few of these moments in the sun and each time she says something stupid. Like she had that moment in the sun after the debates and then she talked about how there should be no anonymous accounts on the Internet. <laughs> and and then she gets this. And look, we I talked about it on on the the Patreon content, but that. What you saw with Nikki Haley was not an inability to answer what started the Civil War. It was her doing the Mac beach ball in her head of which side of the aisle or candidate sent this person to ask this asinine question that I cannot screw up. And then while thinking about it, she screwed it up. That was that was a a classic example of her recognizing a trap and being so recognized uh so focused on it that she answered it in a in a stupid way that moves things forward and more than anything didn't look confident doing it she looked stammering and reactive to it so it's it's not like that stuff doesn't happen at campaign events during this season almost every q a is going to have somebody that's going to ask you a trap question but you got to know how to handle it at least confidently. And that was not something that we have seen. I don't know if Nikki Haley can operate in the forefront of momentum and not do something to make people second guess her right now because she has not demonstrated that thus far. The advantage is that she only has eight days between a presumptive second in Iowa before New Hampshire. And yeah. there's no real like set piece event in the calendar where she can screw that up between those two things. Like, I, I would say also, and this is Trump. So no, you know, unless that happens, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe Trump. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be two debates in New Hampshire, two debates in New Hampshire. So if it's down to a one v one, and the debates are going to be canceled and the momentum is all on Haley's side, then all of a sudden maybe the calculus is different for Trump. Maybe he does show up and we do get a one-on-one debate between the two of them because I think Trump believes he would destroy her. Yeah, and, but that would also and the only reason why he hasn't... Her. 
in a way that I don't think the Trump campaign would want to do. Because they just want to treat her like she's she's like an irrelevancy. And putting her on a debate stage one v one against one one v one against him, that's really that that's admitting that you're scared of her in a way that would be I mean, if we look it's it's not crazy. Especially if we see news of a dropout, whispers of a dropout that that I mean, we've already seen the pre-mortems on, on the DeSantis campaign that it's, you know, anonymous quote saying this is this is a hospice patient that that they are just making him comfortable. And so that's why you see ads with his wife on television, because at least he can go back and say, look, honey, we put you on TV. Uh, so there's that. If we see the Chris Christie thing, I don't know if there's a shock poll that has Nikki over Trump. It's it, I, I do would I would wonder what would change the calculus, if anything. The one thing, though, that we can say about the Trump campaign throughout all of this, they've been insanely disciplined and they have been brutal in focusing their attacks. Uh, now, they were largely attacking Ron DeSantis. I think that there's ample evidence to say DeSantis could not repel those or other attacks. <laughs> this was a campaign that was that was faultily designed and has only behaved accordingly since then but they've been on message they've been disciplined in in a way that trump campaigns have not in the past yeah i do i do just want to take my victory lap on the whole you know desantis is going to be a terrible candidate um you called it you absolutely called it yeah it's the one thing i got right in that draft like the and and I really only took him in the third round is like, you know, because I, I come from the Bill Simmons the flyer, make yeah. your drafts, like draft everything <laughs> and then make and then make interesting content. But like, yeah, everything I said about his campaign was he's he's he is this cycle's Kamala Harris. Like they're just uh, should I, be a lot better than they were. And I don't really get why. They I. Work. I don't understand why. He ran a better presidential campaign the summer before he was supposed to run a presidential campaign. I just don't get it. Don't understand it. I I I think that there's going to be a lot of finger pointing, a lot of blame in in that orbit. There there already has been, and it's spilled out into the media. That's your other comp for Kamala, is that the Kamala campaign was was marked by how many of her own people were going into the media and destroying each other. And that's the exact same thing that's happened with DeSantis. He's got all these inner circle people that are knifing each other, uh, not publicly yet, but, you know, behind anonymous uh, quotes and stuff like that. It's, it's ugly. It's ugly. And now the question for DeSantis is, you know, how do you, how do you work that reconciliation with Trump? Because that's the only move he has left. I I think he I think if he like the fact that he is staying into Iowa is a mistake because he's not going to be able to make to to he's not going to be able to go to to Trump with any meaningful amount of support or at least the theory of theoretical support. He's going to be completely. I think he again. I am confident that Hale is coming in second. And I'm confident that he is going to therefore be embarrassed in Iowa. And yeah. I don't think he's going to be able to reconcile with Trump. And I don't think and I think he has so thoroughly debased himself that I don't even think he's a 2028 contender anymore. 
I don't know why anybody would believe in the promise of Ron DeSantis again. And that was the pitch for why he had a chance here. That's why he raised the GDP of a small country to run this campaign. One that I agree with you is highly likely to be a third place finish where they spent the most money. But I can't, from my perspective, say, well, the more people met you, the less electable you became. That was your first pitch. I'm more electable than Trump. You became less electable than Trump. You were supposed to be more detail-oriented. And while your policy positions are more detailed than Trump's, I believe him when he says he is going to do X, Y, and Z in a way that I don't really with Trump. Your campaign has been a total disaster, an absolute tire fire. So does the rubber meet the road with you? Right now, the answer is no. And unless there is some second act in like a... Here's the thing with Trump. It's not crazy for him to reconcile with him. Ted Cruz reconciled with Donald Trump. That being said, he's going to need to have done something to put himself in a position where 2028 is serious. Because right now, I, I agree with you. I think that that the Ron DeSantis, the, the, the Florida wave has, like many Florida waves, not gone as far up the beach as you would think. Yeah, and I think Ted Cruz is like a, a good comparison, right? Which is that Cruz reconciled, but... Cruz was the guy who came in second in 2016, and I don't think anybody serious thinks that he has any presidential future. And I kind of think that's what DeSantis is going to be, no. except for the fact that DeSantis is term limited in two years and does not have a plausible path to a Senate seat because I don't think either Rick Scott or Marco Rubio is retiring from the Senate anytime soon. Yeah, I could... I mean, you, you, you could set up a a primary challenge to Rick Scott, but, you know, that would that would require a lot more. I don't know. Now. Now we're now we're way down the road uh, on, on DeSantis' future. So, all right. You, right now, you think that and polling will back this up, that it is one, two, three, Trump, Haley and DeSantis in Iowa and you would you would like to find a market in which we'll take your money saying that Nikki Haley is John McCain in 2000 and pulls off the big upset in New Hampshire. Yes, those are my two fairly confident predictions about the GMP primary right now. Here, here's the one thing about being on the on the ground in New Hampshire is when there is momentum it just feels intense. Like Amy Klobuchar only survived in Iowa because the democratic party there screwed up so bad that nobody had results. So an embarrassing finish for her, she was able to get out of town without it being the story. Uh, And then she found herself with momentum in New Hampshire. And when you play these small, tiny rooms and these like churches and you've got, a little momentum behind you, like she did in that moment, it feels like crazy. It it, it feels wild. Uh, I very much can see Nikki Haley filling 
that role if she comes in second. And now Chris Christie drops out. That That is something that I think it will feel like Haley mania is happening on the ground there in a way that I think could facilitate a big upset. But then again, you know, Trump hasn't trained his entire firepower on her. Uh, uh, he's still pretty much, if you look at his emails, it's 60% DeSantis. So we'll see. I just don't know uh, that the all right. going to come until, until she actually definitively proves herself like, yeah. she, she comes second in Iowa on the Monday. We got the polls Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, showing her continuing to surge. Can the can the Trump apparatus, like, really turn around an effective enough attack in three days? Or do they just basically punt New Hampshire and then just, you know, get all the, the, the anti-Haley ads ready for South Carolina and say, we're going to fight you in... You know, we're not going to fight you on the beaches. We're going to fight you in Charleston. We're going to fight you in the low country and we will never surrender and knock her out there. You know, I'll tell you what, here's here's the real winner. The fact that this primary is interesting, which yeah. it has not been for Gives the me last something year. Less to write so about I'm, it, which I'm happy about. Yes, we're so back, Scrim. We're so back. Uh, uh, where can people read more of your work? Uh, political betting, NFL content, and hopefully soon NHL content over at thelines.com. Political writing, uh, mostly Canada, but it'll soon be America as well, over at scrimshawnscripted.substack.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at eScrimshaw. My YouTube channel, I'm actually going to be doing the Scrimshaw show relatively often. Uh, I will have you on at some point oh. if you're willing to do it. Oh, would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did a I released a two hour long um draft with a buddy of mine on every toss up house race, Senate race, and presidential oh, wow. state for twenty twenty four. We're gonna be doing that on the <laughs> for the first of every fiscal quarter this year. Just as a sort of way to talk about a wide variety of things and have a sort yeah. of running doc uh sort of running trail of where we think the environment is so we can, you know, laugh at ourselves when everything is wildly different in three months. When everything goes. Yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah, follow me on Twitter, uh, at Scrimshaw. It will give you everything that you need to do. Um, NFL playoffs are here. So that'll be my priority for, well, week 18 and then the playoffs, but that'll be, but got the politics writing coming back. Have an Iowa preview Who do you this like? week. New Hampshire out next week. Who do you like in the playoffs? Niners are going to definitely, uh, not definitely, but the Niners are going to win the NFC. If the Bills make it, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I bet the Bills to win the AFC at this point. Um, really? I think they, I think they're the over only the Ravens team that can't that has the ability to go punch for punch with Baltimore at this point our offense looks like trash yeah but Josh Allen has at least a, a theoretical ability to be the best player on the field I don't think this version of Mahomes yes. with this with his supporting cast can do it 
I get the other one would be Cleveland, but I just like fundamentally don't think Joe Flacco is going to have that moment. It would be great if he did, but I just don't think the like, oh, Flacco goes into Baltimore and beats his old team. I like that's just some like Disney nonsense. That's so not going to actually. Happen. I I also don't think I think their defense is overrated. Yeah, like I I don't a little bit. I don't think that it's I, I think that that because they've played trash teams and the Joe Flacco story is interesting and people are desperate to talk about the Cleveland Browns because they just desperately did not want to talk about Deshaun Watson, that it's it's gotten a lot of. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, the defense, but it's like some of these uh, and and I, I know by comparison because I you know root for the Steelers and we've played all these same teams and there's been you know, like they got torn apart by the Rams. Uh, they they are they are you know they, they give up big plays in a way that the the way that their defense is talked about which is like the the 2000 Ravens just shouldn't in my opinion but what do I know I'm not a sports prognosticator I'm a politics man uh Scrimshaw thank you so much thanks for having me Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. You want to thank our friend Evan Scrimshaw for being on the show. You can do so, px3guest.com. That is letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. Theyoungamerican at gmail.com if you want to correct me on any of my hot takes. If you want to agree with me, on anything. You can send me anything you want. TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. Twitter is px3tweets for the show and clips of the program that you can share with your friends and family. Justin R. Young for me. You can catch me live on Twitch, px3live.com, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, assuming I'm around. And you can share this podcast with anybody that you know. Letter P, letter X, number three, podcast.com. Guys, this is the season. We need new reviews. We need, a lot of you guys are going to see a bunch of people are saying, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything for, for podcasts or, or whatever? Recommend the show. Word of mouth means more than anything else on the planet. If you know somebody that wants this kind of content, unbiased, boots on the ground content, two things that are rare in this industry, well, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you sent him a text, you gave him a call, and you said, you know what you should try out this week? The Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. If you'd like to support us with a one-time donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Cash app is PX3Cash. Been getting a lot of Venmo stuff. So thank you guys for, for doing that. I know you want to make sure that all the bartenders in Des Moines, in Manchester, in Vegas, in Columbia, that they're all taken care of. We're doing our best there. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas. 78715 is where you can send anything you'd like to me in the mail. Again, that is Post Office Box 153184, Austin, Texas. 78715. Now, the only place you can get the bonus content is at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show. And these are the big shows, the ones you want your name on in the Titanic. $10 tier. Halo. 
Ye Old Pinball Shop, John, DP4 Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checkers, Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, Neil, his nerdiness, Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley, Stephen, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D-Laser, Nick Wood, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, The Jen, D, Really? Andrew, Gloria, my mom, uh, Niemeister, J, and Diva, the CFP. You want your name on their list. You want to have your name read at the end of the show. One place to do it. One. One, my friends. Take politics seriously. Dot com. We got the great Michael Cohen on the program this Friday. We will be discussing what the final two weeks of these campaigns are like. He has been on the inside of them. He understands that there are multiple phases to a campaign. There's an early phase, there's a mid phase, and then there's a closing phase. What is that difference? How do we break down those strategic moves being made and what can they tell us about what's about to happen? That's on Friday. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.